they found that 75% of leaders fail because of lack of preparedness. And it sounds like such a simple thing, right? It's you're put into a new role, you know, you've got a job description, you know where you're supposed to go next, you're introduced to your team and off you go. That is the biggest landmine that organizations actually set up for leaders is that they do not properly solidify the ground underneath a new leader. And when I say new leader, I don't just mean a first-time leader. I mean a leader who might be going into their fifth or 10th or 20th leadership role. But every role is a little bit different. It's a little bit more complex. And necessarily, it is it is slightly beyond that person's depth. Otherwise, they would not have been advanced into that role. So that is really the biggest landmine is that lack of preparedness. Welcome to the HR LMD podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR LD podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviors that drive organizational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking, and achieve significant HR success. Hello, and welcome back to the HR LD podcast. My name is Nick Day, founder of leading HR recruitment agency, JGA Recruitment, and of course, host of this HR LD podcast. Now, with more than half of all new leaders failing within their first 18 months due to a lack of preparedness, today I'm joined by Claire Chandler, who is a qualified HR leadership expert who helps companies implement a repeatable, scalable system that turns new leaders into performance accelerators. Absolutely. Absolutely love that. She fixes the plug and pray method of deploying talent so that companies can become the revenue generating machines that they really wish to be. She's the president and founder of Talent Boost. We're going to find out a little bit more about that during the course of this podcast. And basically, she's able to leverage over 25 years of expertise in people leadership, human resources, business ownership to boost leadership alignment and effectiveness. She's got effective expertise in organizational development, organization, executive coaching, leadership development, communication strategy, and a whole lot more besides. She's also the author of The Whirlpool Effect, Inspire the Flow That Boosts Company Performance, and co-author of The Leading Beyond a Crisis, a conversation about what's next. We're also going to talk a little bit about her latest book as well later on in the podcast as well. Without giving too much away too soon, Claire, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? Thanks, Nick. Uh, what a great introduction. It's so great to be here. Fantastic to have you. I'm going to start with a real soft question just to ease us into the harder stuff to come. So I want to just ask one, if you can, just sort of give the listeners a bit of background to your expertise, a little bit about what's led you in your journey to joining me on the show here today. Sure. Great question. And thank you again for having me. Uh, so I am a self-professed corporate survivor, uh, meaning that I spent uh, close to two decades in corporate America, uh, so the earlier part of my career. And it was such a great experience, although I, I swore to anyone who would listen, I would never work in corporate America. It was a little bit too buttoned up for my personality, et cetera. Uh, but lo and behold, there I was. That's where the opportunities were. So I spent close to 20 years uh, in, in corporate roles, everything from communications and marketing to customer service, customer relations, uh, and then several years in human resources, which is really where I collided with my passion, uh, which was all things talent development, leadership effectiveness, succession management. 
um, all the ways that companies can uh, really boost the level of the talent within their organization from the top leadership on down to the frontline individual contributor. And so in 2011, I decided to uh, break free of the corporate box and strike out on my own. And two years later, I formed my company, Talent Boost. And that is my primary focus, is really to tap into the success DNA of a company, uh, let it shine forth and really help leaders and individual contributors at all levels to accelerate their performance to achieve the company's mission. Amazing. Amazing. And I think it's fair to say you're very, very passionate. And for those, I will obviously direct them to your website later, but about all things related to leadership, which is such a hot topic at the moment. We're going to get a future of work and leading teams remotely now, which is kind of a new, I guess, type of leadership for, for many individuals who are used to office management. But you've just released a book called The Decision Dashboard. And in that book, you state that many leaders fail at an alarming rate because they chip over the same three landmines over and over again. So what I'd like to know is what are those three sort of major landmines that people constantly chip over and why is it that so many leaders fail in that opening 18 months? Yeah, such a great question. It was it was what drove me to write the book. It was really based on conversations that I have had for many, many years now with leaders and through my work with leaders trying to um, not just uncover those landmines, but to really solve those landmines, you know, so that leaders can make the impact that they that they really want to make. The real answer is, if you talk to some of these leaders, and McKinsey and company has done a lot of studies, of course, they found that 75% of leaders fail because of lack of preparedness. And that sounds like such a simple thing, right? It's you're put into a new role, you know, you've got a job description, you know where you're supposed to go next, you're introduced to your team and off you go. That is the biggest landmine that organizations actually set up for leaders is that they do not properly solidify the ground underneath a new leader. And when I say new leader, I don't just mean a first-time leader. I mean a leader who might be going into their fifth or 10th or 20th leadership role. But every role is a little bit different. It's a little bit more complex. And necessarily, it is it is slightly beyond that person's depth. Otherwise, they would not have been advanced into that role. So that is really the biggest landmine is that lack of preparedness. That's interesting. What are the other two major landmines then we need to look out for? So preparedness clearly being the major. I'd like to jump back to that in just a moment. What are the other two sort of key landmines that you found in your expertise are often things that the companies are tripping over? So yeah, so the, the biggest landmine for new leaders is absolutely lack of preparedness. The other two are lack of clarity around your mission. And that does not mean, you know, pop quiz, what's your mission statement that a leader is is able to recite it, but lack of clarity around their own mission. What is it they are put into that leadership role to accomplish? And the third landmine, quite simply, is indecisiveness, the inability to make a clear, swift decision based on the information at hand. So those are the three. It's lack of preparedness, lack of mission clarity, and indecisiveness. You said something really interesting in the preparedness question, which was which surprised me a little bit, because I'd made the assumption, uh, obviously incorrectly by the sounds of things, that perhaps one of the reasons people fail in that preparedness element is because often they're thrust into leadership roles having not had leadership experience before, but maybe they performed optimally in their previous position. So the natural progression then is to start leading a team and actually they've never really had the experience or the preparedness, so to speak, to, to be able to accelerate in that role. But you mentioned actually a lot of people fail 
when they've been in leadership roles for many, many years, still due to the same reason, that lack of preparedness. So what kind of stuck out for me? I'm a recruiter, right? So I love to try to find clients the best talent we can find. Often we're placing leadership positions. What can hiring managers, what can organisations do then to, to help them find the best candidates for the right leadership roles? Are there things they can be looking out for? Yeah, so you said two key words right there in that question. One was best and one was right. And I think a lot of companies err on the side of they want to find the best candidate, the biggest rock star, the person who absolutely crushed it in their last role, in their last company, in their last uh, you know team. And unfortunately, best in the past does not necessarily mean the right talent for you. So I would encourage all recruiters, all companies, all hiring managers to swap out that word best with the other word you used, which is right. You can have an absolute rock star. And I've seen this in leadership roles. I've certainly seen this in, in sales roles, you know, where you've got somebody who was an absolute rock star and they completely crash and burn in their new role or in a different company. And why is that? Because there's a misalignment between what they are great at and what you are expecting of them. And that might be from a skills standpoint, it might be cultural. And I know a lot of people hear that word culture and they say, oh, that's such a squishy HR term that doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't translate into any tangible business outcomes. But I would argue that that mismatch between you know, what, what personally drives a leader at any level in an organization and how that could contribute to advancing a company's mission it is fundamentally important to get that alignment. So from your perspective then, and interestingly, obviously, in the context of HR professionals that are listening to this in particular, do you think that there's a disconnect then at the moment between HR and the people they're placing in leadership roles? Is that something they need to work on or something they need to try and identify? There is an enormous disconnect between the, uh, the HR teams who are tasked with identifying and deploying leaders and the leaders themselves. Not too long ago, I invited over 300 HR executives who were tasked with finding and deploying and readying talent to a conversation. And I also invited over 100 newly deployed leaders to a conversation because I wanted to, you know, too often as consultants, we get enamored with our own ideas, our own theories about what is not working, what the solutions are. And I wanted to test that against the market, so to speak. So I invited these professionals to these conversations and I said, tell me about your experience. From the HR side, I wanted to know what has been your experience? What has worked well? What would you like to do differently the next time in terms of identifying and deploying talent? And then I also asked the leaders similar questions. They said, you know, if if you had it to do over again, what would you have done differently? What did you need to flatten that ramp to full productivity that you feel you didn't get? And in all those conversations, there were a lot of disconnects between HR and the leaders, but two stood out. One was around mindset, and this was fascinating to me. HR, without exception, felt like leaders walk into their new role full of ego, right? Full of confidence and full of bravado. Sure. And in fact, this is what's going to shock you because you just agreed with that, right? You think, well, of course, because, you know, ego-driven leaders, that's what makes them get our attention. That's what makes them stand out. When I spoke to the leaders, they said, actually, I was filled with a lot of self-doubt when I first stepped into my latest role. And I even wondered if I deserved to be at this level. Wow. That's a huge disconnect in mindset. 
And so think like about I feel it. like they're suffering from imposter syndrome a little bit. On that yes, yeah. yes. And, and don't we all, right? Um, but you see these leaders who, who had great track records of performance stepping into this new role with a lot of fear and a lot of self-doubt. And if they're being placed by an HR organization who just assumes that they are ego-driven, that they know what they're doing, how likely are those new leaders to raise their hand and ask for help? Sure. Not very likely, right? And so that led to the other major disconnect. And there, there were many, but the other one beyond mindset was around what I would call resources. So, you know, HR is sort of a major reaction to how do we increase leadership effectiveness is to do more training. And so the HR executives I talked to were all very proud of the fact that they have in recent years rolled out more online training for leaders to, you know, upskill. When I talked to the leaders, they said, you know, that's all well and good that they have this training, but I don't need training. I need results. And training isn't going to get me there. What I really need is someone to talk to about these new situations that I'm trying to navigate. So HR thinks the solution is training and new leaders are begging for a sounding board. Interesting. So how do, how do we then bring those two things together? How do we make them more aligned? Because... As you mentioned, the HR leaders perhaps are going to be reticent to potentially raise the fact they've got a they're feeling like they've got imposter syndrome or they're feeling that they're struggling. How do we bring that together? In your experience, what are the kind of uh, tools that perhaps you would deploy or the questions you would ask to help m- align those two things and really make them work in, in a cohesive manner? So the first thing I, I always do when I see such a wide disconnect between any two leaders or professionals or teams that I'm working with is to try to find the common ground. And so even amidst all of these disconnects, the biggest point of of commonality that both sides, the HR executives and the leaders they deployed felt was around decision-making. They are all asking themselves, am I making the right decision? From an HR perspective, am I picking the right leader for the right role? From a leadership side, you know, I am now responsible as a leader for the team, for the business outcomes, for moving our business forward. Those day-to-day and long-term decisions, am I making the right ones? So it's important to understand there is common ground between those two sides. And I think if you start from that and help to solidify the decision-making, both the focus of that and the confidence in the decisions that you're making, you're going to make a lot of strides in in closing that gap. So for me, in terms of tools, um, one of the tools I think for, for, for HR especially is the use of assessments. And I talked to, you know, when I had these conversations with the HR executives, I brought up the concept of assessments. And the more successful companies use some form of assessment as part of their hiring and their validation process. A lot of other companies don't. And when I sort of probed that a bit, they said, well, you know, in my past company, we sort of used them, but they weren't really effective. Or others, you know, were, were not familiar with assessments at all. I'm a huge believer in the right assessment tools as one component for helping you to validate, you know, on the front end that you are making the right decision in terms of aligning the right leader with the right next role. But even those companies and those HR executives who are using uh, assessments, most of them are not taking them far enough. Sure. And what I mean by that is. We use assessments, and, and you're in recruitment. I'm sure you use assessments a lot. Yeah. They are for those who use them and use them effectively on the front end to validate the decision. They need to go a step further, right? Because the assessment is going to tell us a lot about what is driving 
that individual leader, the successful one, the other internal candidates, how great would it be if you gifted that new leader with some insights from that assessment, right? Going back to that, the, you know, those early days when they're filled with a lot of self-doubt, they're wondering if they are going to trip over those landmines, they're wondering if they even are worthy of being in this new position. How great would it be to sit down with them and gift them a feedback session on the insights that that assessment brought to light? That alone is going to help boost their confidence by raising their self-awareness of where they excel and where they need to surround themselves with the right people and the right processes. So to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, I'm just thinking about, you know, we use assessments here, we use different psychometric tools, particularly when we're recruiting for our own staff. But I think there is a there's a risk sometimes that you start with an assessment, you get all the findings, you understand what makes people tick, you understand their personality traits, perhaps which leaders leaders may they may respond best to based on leadership styles and personality and all those different things. And we start with the best intentions. We pull all that information in. We get excited by it. We reference it in the first meeting, maybe the second appraisal or even the third. But slowly but surely, you know, eventually we almost revert back to the root of water. We go back to the natural leaders that we may or may not be. And we almost forget that those assessments were taken at the start. So what what sort of tools or recommendations would you make to help keep leaders on track so that we don't start to forget some of the findings perhaps these assessments have, have helped us with at the start and to stop us reverting into I guess what's a want to better word bad bad habits I, I love that question and, and, and you're so right I think the most well-intentioned teams and companies may start out strong with something like an assessment tool and then you know ultimately lose steam um, commitment is always, you know, the key, right? If, if you're going to use assessments or anything else in your process, you want to find a system that works and you want to keep it going. The moment you try out a new tool and it peters out and you give up on it and then you try something else, you're perpetuating that that sort of cultural attitude that this is HR's flavor of wheat, right? And so you're never going to embed it in the culture. Yeah. I would say in that case, one, you want to start sooner, and two, you want to embed it deeper. And here's the way to do that. Before you even introduce an assessment into your hiring or interviewing or evaluation process, do a little bit of pre-work because contrary to past theory, there was no one ideal leadership profile. It used to be, you know, when DISC first came out, it was, well, you had to be a very high D to yeah. be an effective leader, right? And that's what everybody kind of, um, stakes their claim on. And in reality, anybody can be a good leader. The key is to become really, really self-aware of what you are naturally good at and be authentic to that natural style, not try to be something you're not. And so for me, you know, assessments can be wonderful when they are used properly. So I would do some pre-work to say, you know, in our specific business and in this specific role, what are the attributes that are most likely going to drive success. And once you identify those attributes, then you assess based on who naturally has those attributes um, sure. you know, as, as part of their natural skill. So do a little bit of pre-work before you introduce the assessment. And then the assessment itself, if you have a good one, and there are many, many good tools out there, and I, and I have a, a, a suite of them that I swear by, but they are not the only you know, good ones out there. But once you've introduced those, follow through, invite those leaders to take that assessment again annually. And you can even do it so that the feedback session doesn't have to be a heavy lift on the HR team. You can automate that. You can record a couple of 
you know, sort of broadly applicable feedback workshops, if you will, that help leaders interpret their own results and invite them to, you know, share their results. Uh, you know, I, I've been using my uh, tools lately to help employees and leaders write their own user's manual. And I know that sounds a little bit weird, but just a one page, hey, just so you know, this is how I tick. This is what drives me. These are the best ways for you to communicate with me. And this is how I best communicate back. Wouldn't it be great if everybody walked around with a one page user manual? And so those are some of the ways that you can do that so that, you know, the, the, the leader himself or herself who is being assessed Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. You've given some really good food for thought then. That's something that certainly I've never asked to do, but I can I could quite easily write a one page on how I like to be managed for sure. Right. And actually, <laughs> it's never never something I would think to do, right? You kind of assume your leaders know you and you don't really want to be too you know dictating to them how you like to be managed but i can totally see how how the value is you know it, it's uh just communicating really isn't it and if you don't communicate yeah. then you know how you how's your leader supposed to guess you've given so many great tips to helping leaders to succeed but if i could ask you for your your one action from an hr and lnd perspective there was one action or one particular piece of advice that you absolutely if there's one thing you could leave this podcast with it's this you know that, that an hr or lnd professional could take away from this podcast today to really help them succeed as leaders what would it be it, you know, it's hard to narrow it down to one, but I'm but I'm going to reinforce the importance of the assessments. And I'm not an assessment vendor. I do use them. I can recommend some, certainly. Sure. But I have seen the business value of integrating assessment tools into not just your hiring process to validate that you're putting the right leader into the right role, but from a developmental perspective. Um, and I'll just, you know, if you, if you would indulge me, I'll just expand, you know, for one more minute on the assessment. Yeah, please. The other great thing about assessments is HR traditionally has focused on leadership development by saying, here are your strengths, and those are all wonderful. Here are your areas of weakness. Let's build a development plan that forces you to spend more time in the areas that do not come naturally to you to try to strengthen those muscles. Well, if those muscles don't exist, how motivating could it possibly be to me as a leader who not only has to get my arms and eyes around a new role, but now I have to go find time to spend, you know, more of my energy in areas that do not come naturally to me that clearly I don't enjoy, right? So the traditional theory around developing leaders is broken. What you should do instead is take the insights from those assessments, understand what that leader is naturally strong in, and give them the opportunity to play those strengths by also surrounding them with people and processes that complement their their blind spots. I cannot emphasize enough that assessments when used right are going to make you as an HR function look like rock stars. 
Amazing. Amazing. There's something actually I saw on your website. For those that aren't familiar, I will put a link in the episode notes, but you can go to www.clairechandler.net. And that's Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E, Chandler, C-H-A-N-D-L-E-R.net. But something I absolutely loved on your website because it's something I'm quite passionate about. And I actually often include this in my own presentations when I give them, which is you've got a whole section dedicated to finding your why, which I personally am already bought into that. Right? I love it. It's something I'm really passionate about promoting because I think when you found your why, you can revert back to it to help support all of your future decision making. But what I would love to understand is with another why, why do you think it's so important that leaders can find their why? How can we yeah, well, I'll let you explain. You've got it on your website. So often, obviously, you have a, put a lot of importance to this element as well. So take the floor. Why should leaders <laughs> find their oh, way? I'm so happy that you brought this up because the you know, if, if you are at all a fan or a student of Simon Sinek, you know that he has built his entire brand around yes. this concept of, of why. And it is not a fluffy brand. What The why is so fundamental. The very first thing that I do with any company that I work with and any leader that I work with one-on-one is to help them find their why. Some companies call it their mission. Some leaders call it their purpose. Whatever you choose to call it, it's the same fundamental thing. At your core, as an individual or as a business, what are you in that position, in that business, in that industry, in that role to accomplish? And so it's really important to understand the why, the purpose, of the leadership role that you're occupying, but equally important, it is so fundamental to understand what drives you internally. And when you can align, you know, when I when I said earlier, it's so important to have the right leader in the right role, not just from a skills standpoint. So, you know, identifying what are the success attributes for that particular role, and does this leadership candidate possess those as natural strengths? That's important. The other piece, though, is do I, as an individual leader, value things that are in alignment with what the company or the team I'm about to lead values? Is my why fuel your why and vice versa? Um, You will find that when you are in a role that plays to your strengths, that also feeds your why, you are going to be far more productive. You are going to be much easier to follow as a leader. And at the end of the day, you might feel drained, but you're going to feel drained in such a positive way because you will have spent that entire day in the zone. And that's where we all want to get to. I love that. I love that. It's interesting from a recruitment perspective and actually just from a communications perspective, I've always been taught and I've done this for nearly 20 years now that, you know, the secret behind a great conversation is to ask open questions. But actually, of all the open questions that live out there, the how, what, why, when, where's, why is the most um, aggressive of those questions. It's the one question as a recruiter you shouldn't ask anyone why, or you know, whether it's family or because why generally will get quite a defensive answer. It makes yeah. you think, oh well, because I've done it this way. However, it's really important that that's the question in this context because you need to be aggressive with yourself. If you you really need to be firm about asking yourself that difficult question because then it can really dictate all the actions that follow. And as you say, can it be energized by that because you can say, well, I've done this because. It links to my why. This is why I've done it. This is why I'm passionate about it. And um, yeah, I think you put that brilliantly from a leadership perspective. And I had to ask the question because I think it's so, so important. So Well, and um, it's and it's the exact reason that I start my conversations with any company or leader I work with 
with getting the why, that mission clarity. Remember, that's one of the landmines for new leaders is lack of mission clarity. Understanding as clearly as we can what that why is for the role that you're about to step into and for you personally. Because once you have that defined, it makes communication so much easier. Sure. Um, you know, the, 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 the one tip, and I'll, and I'll save your audience hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in management workshops and training. The biggest key to being an effective manager or leader is not just to tell your employees what you want them to do, but tell them why it matters. When I was a people leader back in my corporate days, I literally had a post-it note right above my computer that said, tell them why. As a reminder to me that it is not sufficient to communicate expectations of outcome to your employees. They have to understand why their sweat equity makes a difference. You have to tell them why. It's such a Love powerful that. word. And you've just saved all our listeners hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there you go, Claire. We've got to hear it here first. Well, let's jump into, obviously, I said right at the start, your new book. You recently published The Decision Dashboard. And there is a link that I will put in the episode notes for those that want to find out more about not just the book, but your website as well, because there's so many amazing links to be directed to and so many great resources. But tell us a little bit more about the book. What's it all about? So uh, thank you for bringing it up. So, you know, as I said, I, I work with a lot of Companies and a lot of leaders one-on-one, and especially when you're talking to a, to a new leader. And again, it could be your first leadership role. It could be your 90th leadership role. There is always that feeling of, of now we know, self-doubt, but also that feeling of overwhelm. Uh, a lot of people use the analogy of drinking from a fire hose, right? There's all that upfront knowledge intake and information and who are the people that could make or break my success, our team's success, the company's success, um, you know, what makes them tick. There are so many different things that we are trying to take in to our environment um, from around us as a new leader. And so of all the different uh, tools, of all the different frameworks, of all the different exercises, of all the different conversations I've had with leaders that I've worked with over the years, one exercise or framework has stood out Um, And it is this one-page decision dashboard that I work on with leaders, usually in our early days of working together. And it it literally, when I work on it with my clients, anytime I talk to them, you know, it it could be months after we've done this exercise, they say, yep, I have my dashboard right in my pocket. It is a way to distill that feeling of overwhelm and all of the different parts of that new environment that we're trying to take in as new leaders and to fill it into one page that will guide every single decision that I make as a leader, whether it's a day-to-day decision, you know, firefighting kind of a, a decision, or a long-term strategic one. And so, you know, the more I thought about it, and the more times I've done this with clients, and the more times they have come back to me and said, you know, Claire, with all the work we've done together, it's this one page that I just cannot get away from because it has just been a game changer for me. I decided to, to build a book around it and to help as many people as I possibly can build their own decision dashboard. And so the book is a little bit longer than one page, but it but it breaks down what, you know, so I start with why. <laughs> why it's so important that you, you know, that you do a process like this and then step by step how to build your own decision dashboard. And it literally will make every business decision easier and faster if you go through this process. Amazing. I'm just intrigued. So what, 
and maybe I don't want to give too much away here because obviously it's a service that you're providing and a consultancy, but what would typically be the first question then you would ask? Where, where would you, where does that journey, the decision dashboard journey start? Does it start with that why question that you highlighted or is it, does it take a different uh, different approach? It, it, it absolutely starts with the why. Uh, so we we get very, very clear in the book, we get very clear on, on the why and also in my one-on-one work with leaders. So I literally took almost the script that I would follow with a leader and put it into the book. Um, but that is absolutely the first step is to get crystal clear on what it is that your role or your team or your business, depending on the level at which you're, you're building this dashboard, what it is in existence to accomplish. So many leaders and so many companies blow right past answering that question. And if they took just 15 minutes to get that crystallized, everything they do after that becomes so much simpler. It must be so empowering. And of course, you can just, as you say, pull out your pocket, read it every day to remind yourself to stop that. As I mentioned earlier, those appraisals, sometimes you start to forget how it all started. We, we have the best intentions, but they wane because we, we fall back to the roots of water. But actually, if you've got that defined and you read that first thing in the morning or you've got it, as you say, sort of on your post-it note on your desk, or whatever it might be, then it just it just brings you back home, doesn't it? It allows you to reaffirm that you make, you don't, you know, from the imposter syndrome, actually I'm making these decisions based on based on this dashboard, based on the why, based on all the things that I've gone through. Actually, I can I can have courage of conviction here. I'm going to go ahead because it's the right thing to do for those reasons. That's right. And it, and it solves those three landmines, right? It solves the lack of preparedness because if you do this work up front, it will help you to take all of that fire-hosed feeling of overwhelm and distill it onto one page. It helps you get clarity of mission. And it absolutely solves one of those, those, you know, that third landmine, which is indecisiveness. So many leaders fail to make a decision in a timely, clear way because they say, well, I'm waiting for more information. And every leader, especially the higher you go, has to learn how to make decisions based on not having 100% of the data. If you build a dashboard like this, you're going to have a mechanism, a consistent framework for processing the decisions you have to make, even when you don't have 100% of the data. Amazing. Well, actually, you've, you've without knowingly, you've brought it full circle, right back from the first question <laughs> to the last, which is fantastic. And assuming I heard it correctly, I think you mentioned that the McKinsey report stated, was it 75% of leaders fail due to that lack of preparedness? Is that correct? That's correct. Wow. Wow. So here you go. Dashboard. Listen, what I'd love to do is give some links to uh, where they can find out more about the decision uh, dashboard. Before we get there, I'm going to keep listeners immersed into this with just one question uh, because I want to open the L&D vault. Opening the L&D vault. Question one within the vault for you, Claire. In hindsight, what's the one thing you now know that you wish you had known when you began your career? You know, it's interesting. It's the, it's the same thing that new leaders were telling me in all of these conversations, which is to, to ask for help sooner. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Great advice. What's the one common myth you often hear in the workplace in relation to leadership and can you debunk it? I would say that the number one thing is if, you were, if your business is underperforming, you don't necessarily have the wrong talent. You just may be deploying them in the wrong way. Ah, clever. I like that. And last piece, and we may have covered this already, we're going to ask the question again. It's a great way to finish today's conversation. What's the one piece of advice you would give to someone recently appointed to a leadership role who has no prior experience of leadership? 
I'm going to say again, re rewind to that manager's tip that I gave you before about, you know, telling them the why, but I would say, don't inundate yourself with all sorts of training and all sorts of workshops. Find yourself a sounding board. Surround yourself with one or maybe a couple of people who have been where you are, who have navigated the situations that you're facing and lean on them as a sounding board. It will help you advance exponentially faster than any training could provide you. Amazing. Fantastic. Claire Chanda, thank you so much for joining me on today's HRND podcast. I have mentioned, of course, if for those that want to find out more, you've got an amazing website that's full of loads of free resources. So please do check it out. It will definitely enrich your leadership experience. You can go to www.clairechandler.net. And I will, of course, put that link in the episode notes. Within that link as well, I will also include a special link so you can book a discovery call directly in with Claire as well, which is also you can find at discoverywithclaire.com. So those links will be available. Is there anything, any other links you'd like to share, Claire, where people can find out more about your decision dashboard or indeed if they want to connect with you? Uh, the, the discoverywithclaire.com, absolutely. In fact, while, while we are rounding out this episode, if you have not already logged on and booked a call with me, please do that. I would love to hear from you. The other link... If, if talking about this decision dashboard and clarifying decisions and just making your life easier, whether you're an HR person or a new leader or an existing leader, go to the decision dashboard.com, get the ebook. It's also available on Amazon, but I would highly recommend the ebook because it's bundled with all sorts of bonuses that you won't get with the paper edition. Amazing. And I just want to add as well, for those not familiar, Claire is like the easiest person to talk to. She's a genuine leadership expert here. And I'm highlighting it because for those that know me who've been involved in the coaching that I've been giving on the HR side, for many of you, something I'm hearing very, very regularly and repeated is that you often struggle with that imposter syndrome, particularly post-pandemic. For those that you find yourself in new HR management roles, sometimes questioning whether you're actually in the right shoes. Now, this is the perfect opportunity to book that discovery call with Claire because I really do believe she can help you find that why help you get onto the right journey mental health at the minute we just finished mental health awareness week here in the UK mm -hmm. it's really really important that we get on top of it and you can do that now with a, with a, with a discovery call with Claire or by getting that book and I wouldn't usually say that at the end of a podcast but I think right now it's a, it's an important it's an important thing to raise because there are a lot of amazing leaders out there who just with a little bit of guidance and a little bit of why finding, I think they could really, as you say, performance accelerate where they are and really help them to uh, to really optimize the performance in the roles they've got. So Claire, thank you so much for joining me on today's HRLND podcast. And of course, if you are an HR or LND professional looking for support with recruitment, please also give me a call, nick at jjrecruitment.com. And of course, I'll put those links in the episode notes as well. Claire, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Nick. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Fantastic. And listeners, I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HRND podcast real soon. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.